to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Well, hello. I didn't notice you there. <laughs> With us all the way. <laughs> Remote Christian to see Lee Younger. <laughs> I just, I didn't see Jed do the quick change into his smoking jacket. <laughs> and uh, I really didn't have my, uh, you know, I, I wasn't ready for just the, the smoky room of the lounge, the, the, uh, the jazz club. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, those you obviously you listening can't see the video call we're on, but the amount of eyebrow cocking that happened <laughs> as Jed shifted into that was truly like a 2001 The Rock level of eyebrow elevation was achieved on that. Nice. Uh, yeah, nice. I love my work. It's, we've been doing this for 500 plus episodes. It's nice to know that Jed, even just in the one sentence, can still just surprise both Lee and I with what he comes up with in the moment. Uh, you may notice we are not joined by regular co-host Glenn Fitzgerald. Glenn is going to be stepping away from the podcast for the foreseeable future. Uh, no problem, no drama. Uh, Glenn is a very, very busy man. He runs a organization uh, that is very time-consuming, as you might imagine, and the podcast just kind of stopped fitting into his schedule. So we, of course, thank him. For the many, many years of lending us his time and uh, joining us here on the show. If you want to connect with Glenn online, you can do that. Twitter, at Glenn Fitzgerald. Uh, Facebook, just his name, Glenn Fitzgerald. F-I-T-Z-J-E-R-E-L-L. I thought, I literally thought that you said glenning us his time. When you well, said lending us his time. That's good. That's very good. That may have been a, some subconscious attempt at some branding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, that, of course, is, as we said, there's no, no backstory, no drama, just a very busy man who's got other projects. It, as ever, if, you, if that's unsatisfactory to you, I invite you to uh, create your own dramatic backstory. Maybe some, <laughs> I always hope that those scenarios in your mind end with Glenn throwing a cocktail in my face. Well, again, <laughs> we're, we're back in the jazz club. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Jed just be in the corner being smooth while <laughs> Glenn and I have a red-faced argument that ends with him throwing a... You know, a nice martini in my face and me kind of, you know, my bow tie flapping up into my face. These kind of, I figured it ends in a pratfall as most things I'm involved with do. Suddenly there's a banana peel on the floor of the jazz club. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, that's right. you know. How did Matt become Mr. Bean all of a sudden in this scenario? <laughs> it has happened. It's also happened in real life. Uh, for those of you <laughs> with your uh, winter scorekeeping update, Icy Sidewalks 2, Matt 0. Oh, dang. You okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally wow. fine. Uh, I, I took many, many years of martial arts as a kid, and some people oh, get to use good. that in their adulthood as, like, doing something really cool and, like, you know, uh, stopping someone who's hassling a young woman in the street. Uh, and me, that manifests, and just, like, after I've fallen at 36 years old, I'm like, okay, I still remember how to do that. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> the fun part, when you turn in your mid-30s, those of you, and we hope you all do, um, you fall in slow motion. Like, it wasn't that my feet kicked out from under me. It was like I had time to be like, well, I'm going down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what that Fall Out Boy song is about. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> That's right. Well, there's also, at, at, at our age, there's also the thing of once you've fallen, there's that deal, that, that thought of, like, is there anything I need to do while I'm down here before I get back up? <laughs> yeah. Like, is there like a, like a shoe retie, reset a sock? Everything cool? Everything cool? All right, great. The, the thing you've inspired me to think about that's kind of a new happy place for me, I have no idea why, but Facebook has decided I need to see every possible ad for Cobra Kai, 
which is not a show I've ever watched. Wow. I have nothing against it, but I, I've never seen it. I've never expressed interest in it, but I've seen like a hundred <laughs> ads for it. And, um, you know, as far as I can tell, most of the ads are men, I think in their forties yeah. kind of like broily threatening each other. Sure. And sure. A, a lot of the threats you know, appear to be, I don't know if you know, but I'm a black belt. And the thing that is now my new happy place is like a Matt King conversation, but Cobra Kai style. And he's like squaring off against somebody. He's like, you need to know I'm a black belt. Here's what that means. If you push me over, probably won't hurt me that much because I'm pretty good at falling. <laughs> like that would be incredible. Just slowly <laughs> falling down on an icy sidewalk and being like, I mean, there's some slight bruising, but it's really not bad. I didn't do the thing where I stick my arm out and break my wrist. So we're all actually all doing pretty well here. We're money ahead. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the thing I like when you fall at the middle age is, you know, Lee mentioned the, do anything doing? I'm down here. There's also just the immediate inventory of, was that a pre-existing knee pain or is that new? What happened? Right, <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're 15 and you fall down, your only thought is get back up, pretend it didn't hurt. Yeah. And right, when you hit yeah. a certain Play age after your late twenties, it becomes, Okay, that doesn't feel like it hurt, but let me think about tomorrow morning while I'm here. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's things that aren't problems. There's things that are ongoing problems, but then there are sudden things that rise to the level of emergency. Uh-oh. And we've got one for you this week. Um, I read uh. from a press release sent our way by one Jedrick Brewer from the Gospel Music Association, yeah. gospelmusic.org. Apparently they're not for profit. If you ever heard of the Dove Awards, these are the people that give those out. There's literally a Dove in the A in their logo. Yeah. That's what we're going on. Uh, here is the headline from February 22nd. President John Donald J. Trump to present Unity Award to Dr. Alveda King at the 10th annual We Love Christian Music Awards. Uh. Yeah. Um, for the past 10 years, the, and this is in all caps every time they mention it, the title, so I'm going to have to do my best. For the past 10 years, the We Love Christian Music Awards. We love, <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's WeLoveAwards.com has celebrated the best faith-based artists, albums, and songs in each calendar year and has given the Christian music fan the power to choose the winners. Ooh, power. So it's like there's kind of like an election, and at the end, they decide who won, and then that's that. Oh. I'm not sure if everyone they're inviting is going to be totally cool with that. <laughs> Though I do look forward to the My Pillow Guys two-day uh, symposium yeah. about uh, Chinese, the Chinese people hacking the uh, the uh, WeLoveAwards.com database. Yeah, <laughs> the new annual award. That's right. They made up an award to have Donald Trump give the niece of Martin Luther King. The upcoming 10th annual ceremony will be broadcasting live in front of a sold-out audience. Well, that's true in a lot of ways. From Visible Music College <laughs> in downtown Memphis, Tennessee on Tuesday, 2-22-22. In addition to the winners of 24 categories being announced, Dr. Alveda King will be on site accepting the first annual UNITY AWARD. All caps. President Donald J. Trump will present the award to Dr. King via video. Oh. Can't even be bothered to get there. No. <laughs> Cool. Now, there's a lot going on in this, but here's something I'd like to focus on right now. 24 categories. Yeah. In Christian Music Awards? In the Christian Music Awards. Like, you're already specifically in a niche. We're giving out wow. 24 awards. Dude, do you have that link handy? Can you send it to me? 
I, I can't think of 24 songs. It already happened. I bet we can look it up. Well, that's I'm, the I'm thing. Like, are you doing like Christian barbershop? Like how niche <laughs> are we getting here? <laughs> Is our God. <laughs> oh man. I hate when that happens. I, um, I started typing in, we love Christian music awards and it auto filled. Okay. Which lets me know that on my Google search, which lets me know I've just, I've looked up something terrible before. Uh, let's see if we can find a list of winners. There's a next big thing. I don't find an easily, uh, like a, there's no, like, you know, when you normally, when you go, like if you Googled the Grammys, there'd be like a thousand clickbait articles with like SEO headlines. Oh, of, like, course, yeah. of course. The 10 biggest winners at the Grammys. No one seems to care about this. Newsboys accept the pop light award. Pop light, light like L I T E. Yep, like really, you know, pop not heavyweight pop. album of the year, like ah. Clear Pepsi. <laughs> That's right. You know the Crystal Pepsi Award. I would watch. <laughs> There's apparently someone named Cade Thompson, which doesn't sound like a real name. The thing that I'm trying to imagine is I'm trying to imagine Donald Trump listening to a song all the way through. Yeah, like. Not not just a Christian music song, like a song, a song of any kind. Yeah, like enjoying a song from start to finish. It's funny that you say that because I'm kind of sitting here trying to think through what is the style of music that I think he would hate the most. And <laughs> there's there's a lot of contenders. Like there's some part of me that would love for him to have to sit through like a seven and a half minute long technical death metal track, you know. <laughs> Like, you know, against a lot of options, but that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Wow. Yeah. The thing about that we know about Trump's sense of like musical taste is that it is not based on taste. It's just based on what was very popular in like the late seventies. Yeah. Right. Like his, like when he did those rallies, there was always a playlist that the most annoying part of it was that it was filled with like actually pretty good music because it was all like. You know, music he didn't understand. Like he's one of those <laughs> conservative politicians who plays "Born in the USA" at all their rallies, and right doesn't understand the fortunate son. <laughs> I think they yes. played "Fortunate Son" or something. Oh, or, wait, for yeah. real? I yeah. I could be wrong about that, but you guys remember? So there's the news clip when he's like, when he gets he's getting off the plane, they're telling him about Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. And he's trying to pretend that that's the first time he's heard that, but he's such a terrible actor. It's clearly like he was, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just hearing about that for the first time. But Tiny Dancer is playing in the background, like just over wow. loudspeakers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this very strange, uh, you know, semi-reality. But yes, the idea of uh, Donald Trump sitting through like the nine-minute live cut of a Kirk Franklin song Oh yeah. And just knowing there's a camera on him and he has to pretend to enjoy it (laughs) is really, really interesting. Makes me happy. I like that. They found the niece of Martin Luther King daughter of, uh, I assume his, uh, brother, the activist Reverend AD King, who's also a leading pro-life activist and founder of speak for life. And a contributor on Fox News and host of a Fox Nation show. Mm. And how far down the roster of people with the last name King did they get to be seen in the same 
willing to be seen in the same camera shot as Donald Trump. Like, was I yeah. that many notches down on that? Like, we went, I'm sure they went through the actual, like, children, and then there was, aha, one on a Fox show. We'll do that. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Winners of the 10th annual We Love Christian Music Awards from rapzilla.com, which is where I expect to get that information. There's a lot of weird characters. So there's the Pop Light Award, okay. Pop Contemporary Album of the Year. I believe that's also the name of those, like, when LED lights were new, there was, like, one that was, like, a little dome. Like, it sticks to stuff, and you push it to start it. The Pop Light. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. From Bronco. <laughs> the Inspo Award, Inspirational Album of the Year. Mm. The Encounter Award, Worship Album of the Year. Ah. You got Song of the Year, New Artist, Male Artist. Rap slash hip hop song of the year, mainstream Im- mainstream impact award. Okay, Skillet won that one. Well, uh, are they still impacting the mainstream in twenty twenty two? Maybe. Here, here's the fun thing about the word impact: it doesn't actually imply something positive. Well, that's right. true. Uh, there's the undiscovered or underground talent, which is the next big thing. That's not that. Uh, creative the chorus award for the church worship album of the year the amp award for rock alternative album of the year amp award hey i did find a uh a playlist based on nominated artists okay disturbing and there is an artist (laughs) i've never heard of the song that was nominated is called dead flowers and it's by the artist demon hunter Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something. I appreciate that as, you know, at least putting it out there. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll play at uh, that guy in Nashville's church. Their preference <laughs> previous emergency. One of the fun kind of full circle story bits with discovering the, um, and we should note because this word is really important, former. President Donald Trump presenting an award for the gospel music association. This goes back a few years, but Matt and I were working on some music stuff and, you know, we're trying to figure out how to better connect with and partner with artists. And so we actually looked into like formally joining the gospel music association, you know, so that we could like, you know, proudly say, you know, we're members of the GMA and on that basis, we're very glad to make your acquaintance, which seemed like a good idea at the time. And it just kind of, you know, fell through the cracks for some reasons. And was like, right. well, bullet dodged. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Occasionally. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to take the, uh, the bullet on this one. I, that sounds like one of those things where I just forgot about it. <laughs> and Jeff was like, Hey, did you ever send that email to the GMA people? I was like, yeah, they're getting back to me slow for some reason, <laughs> typing out email now. And, uh, just, you know, occasionally the Lord can use, uh, a certain amount of laziness and incompetence uh, several years down the line for a good, <laughs> good cause. Because I yes. saved Jed and I a good two days of our life going back through our own emails being like, who did we email opening as, thank you, I am a fellow GMA member and would like to connect with you. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want that. So a never more appropriate use of this term as three non-GMA members we will declare. Emergency off. Ooh, yes. Demon hunting on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 
there's, you know, we got things called some of these song titles, my Jesus, house of the Lord, hymn of heaven, stand, inhale, worship forever, old church basement. I feel like there's not a lot of innovation going on and just de- demon hunters going for it. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> we definitely appreciate people going for it. We also appreciate your questions as they come in. We're going to move on. It's our first one of those. If you hang all this all the way to the end, I'll give you some addresses you can get in touch with this at, or you can scroll down to your episode description in your pod catcher of choice and click the links you find there. Our first question comes in and says, I got some bad news recently, not world ending, just a slight job setback. I was disappointed, but I immediately started thinking of reasons that I was actually kind of relieved and that this was probably going to end up being a good thing. I can't tell if that's having a good attitude or denial. How do I tell the difference? And a very, very good question. And Jed, where would we kick off with this? Well, that's a great question. I think to me, like one of the key things, right, is just recognizing that an awful lot of events in life have both an upside and a downside. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff that's just truly terrible and it just, it only sucks. And I guess if you look like super, super hard, you can probably find some things that are so transcendent and amazing, like really good ice cream where there's only upside, but you know, (laughs) most things have a blend of both. Right. And so I think that denial, which is a good thing to be looking out for is if we're in a space where we're refusing to acknowledge one of those sides, you know, I'm only willing to acknowledge the good side or I'm only willing to acknowledge the bad side. And that's kind of true. Even when there's a disproportion, it's, it's, you know, 80% bad and 20% good or vice versa. Acknowledging both is actually still pretty important to not be in that place of uh, denial. Yeah, I think that's a really cool point. And Lee, maybe you can can kind of develop that for us because I like what Jed's saying about ev- pretty much everything has two sides. Yeah, and maybe seeing both of them quicker is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, one of the I think one of the the things that you're describing here is is really a product of maturity. Um, that you're, yeah. that you're able to see, I, I've, you know, I've, I've had a setback and I've dealt with that emotionally. This is, this is not exactly what I wanted. And yet I'm starting to see some, some positive outcomes or some things that are going to go well. That's actually just a, a really good sign of emotional maturity and experience. One of the, you know, you, you ask, how can I tell the difference between this and, and denial? One of the biggest things that I would say is do you have you had a space or a person in your life where you have honestly looked at kind of the initial venting over the awful the like when, when the bad thing happens and you have the you know and you're upset or you're disappointed or you're frustrated you you're going to feel those things and you got to be able to offload those feelings yeah. um if if you didn't have any space or any place or any person where you were able to say i need to tell you i went through something that sucks and I need to talk about how bad it sucks. And I need to talk about how upset I am at the suckiness of the sucky thing. If you didn't have any of that, if something terrible happened and you were like, this doesn't hurt. I love this. It's amazing. <laughs> and, you, and that's the front you gave to everybody. Then I think that we would be looking at denial. But So I think a key question is, do I have a, a place like a journal or a, a prayer time? Or do I have some people in my life? where I was able to just kind of offload some of those initial awful feelings and then start to look for something positive in that. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, that, that denial aspect often does come up in those ways where you're just trying to 
to suppress something, but there's also the the possibility that when when you're you can also be in a weird a weird kind of denial when you're looking at something that's an option. Yeah. Like, you know, let's say, you know, you applied for a job and you're like, yeah, it's cool. It's 45 minutes from my house and that's kind of a long drive, but it's cool. You know, I can listen to an audio book or whatever. That's fine. And then you find, you didn't get that job. You're like, actually, I did not want to drive an hour and a half every day. So that's, that's pretty good. It's not denial about the fact that missing out a job sucks. It may just be because an avenue, a, a decision was made. You can kind of, now you're, you're living in a different world before you're in kind of this AB world, but now you're where that, that decision has been made. But Jed, as we look at those things of what is the difference between denial and a good attitude? Cause as Lee's pointing out, the reasoning can be pretty, pretty similar. What are some other differentiators we can look at? That's a good question. I think at least to me, I think a, a good attitude is kind of defined by the outcomes that it produces, um, by, by the fruit that it produces. I, I don't know that there are many attitudes that are good just on their own. They're, they're good in that they get you to a healthier place. Right. Mm. So something happens, right? There's going to be some good aspects and bad aspects. Um, if you have an attitude that helps you to accept the tough parts and that helps you to embrace the good parts, then it's probably a pretty good attitude. It's probably a pretty functional attitude. If you have an attitude that keeps you from acknowledging the tough parts or that keeps you from embracing the good parts, it's probably not a great attitude. And I think that that's really important to kind of be outcome oriented because if you are a person of faith, there's an awful lot of viewpoints that sound really spiritual that actually do not yield good results. Just the outcomes they yield are not great, but that's actually true even in like a secular context. You know, there's the, there's plenty of stuff that you know people would describe, for example, as toxic positivity that, you know, it's, it's a weird attitude that could kind of sound good, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere good. And so to me, I think that's kind of the acid test. Does this help you, your viewpoint, your attitude, does it help you accept and deal with the tough parts? Does it help you embrace and see the possibilities of the good parts? That's a really interesting point because as in the, if you were to take that in a purely sexual context, you're saying kind of the, the toxic positivity of, Oh, well, you know, I, I cleaved my foot with this ax, but in a lot of ways this is a growing opportunity and it's going to make me, <laughs> you know, I really appreciate the half of my foot I still have. So I think this is really the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Oh, uh, we can look at that and say how that's crazy. But when you do put that in a faith context and particularly in a, a kind of 21st century American Christian context, there is, I wonder if there is this part about knowing that you, you feel like you have to land on Romans eight twenty eight. Yeah. And this has to be this really cool, great thing. Yeah. But there's a that that's the end of a working out process. Like, um, there are definitely I think all three of us could point to things in our lives where you're like, oh, well, th- actually, in a weird way, the, the GMA thing is a good point. Uh, you know, like at the time and been like, oh, that you know, maybe we should work on that. And you're like, like, oh I'm glad that didn't happen. That <laughs> yeah, that really worked yeah. out for the good. But it's not like every day in the middle of the time we were like, oh, thank God we didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I think to that point, Matt. There's a, there can be this, um, like if you do have the the toxic positivity or the like everything is always positive all the time, it that keeps you from realizing that some of the things that I have in my life are things that I have a choice about, and some of the things in my life are things I don't have a choice about. Yeah, and that's important because 
if you have goals or if you have places where you need to grow, you have to be able to tell the difference in things that are going to require you to take action, going to require you to make changes, going to require you to to cut some things off, to change some relationships or whatever the thing is. There are things that you actually can change. And if you are only positive all the time, if you are in a state of denial, then you oddly like might not change anything because everything is amazing. So everything has to be perfectly good. It's like, no, there are things where you need to have the discernment to be able to say, no, actually this is a choice. I actually have some agency in this part of this scenario, in this job or in this this living situation or in this relationship, and I'm going to exercise that agency and change it because it doesn't line up with my goals or it doesn't line up with the, the, where I'm trying to get or the, the, the kind of growth I'm trying to have. So I think, you know, something like, we, we've talked about it, you know, several times on the show before, but something as simple as like the, you know, the serenity prayer is an important thing to think about. Like, what are the things in my life where I actually have some choice and some agency? And what are some things that I actually can't change? And then how do I adjust my attitude and my actions based on what can I change and what can't I change? I think that's such a cool point. I've, I've heard a phrase recently, and it was, it was in the context of, of something about kind of politics and uh, messing around that. But I think it, it really works in a number of kind of personal cases. And this person was describing a group of people that said they, they've given up on doing the difficult, and now they're only trying to do the impossible. Mm-hmm. So, I, But I think that really plays into what Lee's talking about there in that you know, having a, a good attitude helps you deal with the difficult. Yeah. You know, this it wasn't exactly the news I wanted, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. That doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean I'll never, no one will ever want to date me or I'll never get a job or, you know, I'll never be able to, you know, achieve this goal or whatever that is. You know, one setback doesn't define that. But then you can kind of push that way into an unhealthy place where, it's, uh, you know, well, I, I didn't get this job, but that's because I'm, I'm going to hit the lottery and that's just, I just need to go buy more scratchers because yeah. that's, that's clearly God's plan for my life now. Like, uh, did, did we skip like maybe a lot of very realistic and possible things to go to kind of the, the God is to, I'm, I apologize for the pretentiousness of this in advance, but I occasionally do have to remind everyone that I did spend money on a liberal arts degree, the deus ex machina of the whole Ooh. thing. <laughs> where, you know, everything looks like big disaster until the last moment when it's perfect. Like, that's probably not what we're talking about when we talk about a positive mindset or a good attitude or keeping the faith either. Like, if you go back and read, you know, David or Paul or pretty much anybody in the Bible, um, they arrive at, at good attitude via a whole slew of whining and complaining and griping and bad attitude and uh, you know, maybe, maybe so, so too must we. Um, it, you don't, don't, uh, don't jump right to Romans eight twenty eight and skip like everything that happens in Romans before that because right. <laughs> there's a lot that doesn't exactly jump to. But you know, it's all fine. If anything, right. if anything, you know, it, prison's nice. You know, you get a nice, uh, a nice routine. Got some reading done. It's a little cold, but you know, I, I got a coat coming any one of these days. I think if anything, this is gonna be a whole new me. It's not really the uh, the not really the tenor we need to jump to, but as these guys are pointing out, and I, I think it's worth going back to. If sometimes you, there's something you think you should feel bad about that actually you don't end up feeling that bad about, and that's totally cool too. Like you yeah, know, there's yeah. 
we've described in the show before. It's the John Mulaney bit about, you know, canceled plans are like heroin. Yes. You know, I know in theory that if I'm supposed to meet with, have lunch with someone, they're like, ah, actually, you know, this and that came up and I can't do it. There's, I know that the script is, oh, I am so sorry that happened. I also know that inside there's a little part of me that goes, yippee. <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't want to drive that too hard, but uh, you know, if, if you feel fine about it, you don't have to feel bad about it in the same yeah. way that if you feel bad about something, God doesn't just want you to ignore that and feel good about it and pretend you feel good about it. But yeah, I think this is an interesting point. You don't have to go the other way either. Yeah. So we are going to on that move on to our next question comes in and says, I saw Philippians 2.14, do all things without arguing or complaining, on the wall in a church nursery recently. It really kind of bothered me, like it was teaching kids to just shut up and do whatever adults say because Jesus. What is that verse actually supposed to mean? And Leah, I'd love to get you to kick us off here because I think there's a lot of good backstory here of, uh, kind of as we were talking about that last question, you know, he Paul definitely in Philippians 2.14 says, do all things are complaining. He says a lot of other stuff throughout the New Testament yeah. that may draw that <laughs> into a certain kind of context other than uh, it just being uh, printed on the wall of the nursery when it's time to line up. So maybe let's start with some background. Well, I will say, I think it's interesting to have, uh, you know, verses printed on the wall of the nursery as if you know, because the nursery is usually for children who are young enough to be in diapers. These are not children typically who are reading. Yeah. I feel like that's just because they're not applying themselves. <laughs> there is a, uh, I have seen, I've been in a fair number of churches in my life, and I know Jed has been in more of them, but uh, there is a typical verse in the church nursery, which is usually the one where the Apostle Paul says, we shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Mm. And I think that applies a little bit more to the nursery. It's sure, at least got a little, it's got a little cuteness to it. Absolutely. Know? Maybe playing a little fast and loose with the uh, the exegesis yeah. there, but it fits. Yeah, the, yeah, we support the, the meaning of change. It's a nice little chuckle if you're having to change a bunch of diapers during the Sunday service. But yeah, I mean, look, the the it's we talk about this a lot, but context is super important when you're trying to figure out Bible verses and slinging a Bible verse at a person so that they behave or whatever. Um, that's never a good idea. If anything, I mean, especially if you're looking at a behavior Bible verse, like the one thing that you need to do, I mean, if you're if you're going to take it out of context is at least make sure that you're not asking somebody to, to do something that you're not working on yourself. So let's at least start at that place. But again, we got to look at context. The, the, the context of the book of Philippians is that the Apostle Paul personally is in prison, writing to a group of people where he started a church um, in Macedonia in the city of Philippi. And he is now in prison and he's writing those folks to encourage them because they have found out that he's in prison. And he's letting them know, yes, the thing that I'm going through is hard. But some really cool stuff is happening. Now, what's interesting is this goes right back to our last kind of question asker. Yeah. This is a dude who's gone through a journey and was, you know, he, he had a lot of plans. He was very frustrated by those plans, um, wound up in Philippi, which is not where he wanted to go with the message of the gospel. And, and then he met these people. And then later he had some other plans. Those plans got frustrated as well. And then he wound up in prison. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever met a lot of missionaries, but 
nail those people down to the floor and don't let them go around and, and do their work at full blast, they are going to be upset people. And um, being conf- in a confined space is not where a missionary wants to be. But this dude is, he's talking to a world of people who are going to be going through suffering, and he's saying to them, listen, I'm, this is not where I wanted to be, but some cool stuff is happening, and I'm learning some stuff through that. And here's some of the things that I'm learning. And one of the things I'm learning is, you know, if, and, and like even when you spread out the context just a little bit, he says, if you can get something like arguing or complaining, even, like even under control, which the word, the word complaining is, it's a word that means to murmur. Like in the original language, it's just like, you just under your breath, you just keep playing it over and over. like whatever you're, whatever you're discussed over your situation, you just keep just keep chewing on it. Just keep dealing with it. Just, no, 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 you know, just kind of keep murmuring about it. He's like, look, deal with it, get it out of the way and start looking for the next strategy. Exactly. As we answered that first question, he's like, if you're a person that can process like that and find what God is doing, he says, you will be like a star shining in the universe. Nobody is like that. It's an amazing, unique thing. I'm not telling you everybody needs to be a professional at it, but I am saying that I am going through a tough thing. It's not where I want it to be, but I'm learning some stuff, and it's unique stuff. And I think it's something that we could start to get our heads around. Yeah, I think that's a really, really cool point. And I think you make a very important distinction, and maybe is different than the way uh, we think about really some of these verses, but also the, the Bible in general. Uh, for people who grew up in church, obviously, you know, there's children's Bibles and you get started with it young and it's because they are kind of foundational stories to our culture. They, there's a part of them that can kind of get lumped in with fairy tales and moral teachings and all that stuff. And, but we're critically, uh, particularly uh, Paul writing, but he's writing letters, but even in, in every book of the Bible was not, those are not children's stories. They're not meant for an audience of, uh, that's right young children. These were written to adults who had an adult, adult problems and an adult understanding the world. And Jed, in that context, that this was not being written to, we can safely assume, given what Lee's given us there, this verse was not written to be a very simple, you know, um, you know, remember to tie your shoes and share and do all things without yeah, arguing yeah. or complaining. How do we apply something that seems very uh, straightforward and almost nursery school when we pull it out like that, but in the context of an actual adult life? That's a cool question. I think in, in, a, in a sense, we would be helpful by, for just a minute, allowing ourselves to forget that this is the Bible. Suppose that you had a buddy who was just giving you some advice, and like he sent you an email, like, here's, here's what I think you should do, right? You would read the email, and then I think you would kind of bottom line it for yourself, Right. Like you wouldn't go through word by word of everything that your buddy said. You would try and summarize to yourself, okay, here's the basic takeaway, right? You know, I mean, if you think about it, we, we, when we ask, hopefully we ask people for advice on a regular basis. And, and when we do, we don't try and produce a detailed transcript of everything they said. We, we kind of say, here's the highlight reel of the things they said to do or not do, right? That's just how most of us process information. And I think that there's all kinds of interesting ways to study the Bible and they, they all have interesting kinds of values. But I think you giving yourself permission to read something and bottom line it is actually a really good idea. So like read this whole chapter and bottom line it for yourself. What's, what's the, the main thing that dude is saying here. And when I read this chapter, 
the bottom line that I come away with is that Paul is saying reluctant living is not a good way to live. Mm. And that really resonates with me because I've gone through huge periods in life where my basic view was, oh man, (laughs) I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I'm not the right guy for this. To quote a naughty movie that no one should watch, I wasn't even supposed to be in today, man. Like, (laughs) I've gone through years in life where that was my view of life. And forget about whatever else. That's just not a fun way to live. It's just, it's not rewarding. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help anybody else. And by contrast, in the spirit of shining like stars in the universe, Dude, I bet you've met in your life, maybe once or twice, someone who was just like, they were just leaning into their own life. <laughs> they were just, they're like, no, I'm going to be about it. You know, I got struggles, yeah. I got problems, but I'm, I'm going to be about the life that I'm in. I'm going to, it, it's, I'm yeah. going to take ownership of it and I'm going to do it. And it's like, wow, that's kind of amazing. That's, that's a really cool way to live. And I think in the spirit of bottom lining the passage, I, I think at least to me, that's what Paul is saying. He's, he's saying, lean into your life. That's what Jesus did. Lean into the life that you've been given. It's a gift. Take it. Do something with it. You know, all of that reluctance and whatnot that we're all tempted to doesn't go anywhere good. And so to that end, the idea of the complaining and arguing, that's just symptoms of another problem, man. Um, it's, it's not really about the complaining and arguing. It's about when you live reluctantly, that's what comes out. Yeah, dude, this is such a cool point. And when you spread back out, even taking in some of the stuff that he says in chapter one, which we should say, this is one kind of nerdy, like little fact about pretty much everything Paul ever wrote. He never gets to behavior stuff until after he spent a lot of time telling you the who you are stuff because of what Jesus has done. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing to know. And it's a really good reason you should never rip behavior moments out of Paul's letters because he didn't want them read in that context. All the, like all the real specific instructions of Romans chapter 12 come after all the amazing things he says about who you are in the end of chapter three, four, and five. Like there's a big buildup to that stuff. And the same thing is true for the book of Philippians in chapter one. He has this great moment where he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You're going to get where God's getting you. Yeah. So having heard something that amazing, now, within the safety of that, I'm telling you, man, I'm learning some stuff about going, just being about your life. He says a thing in chapter one, exactly to Jed's point of like, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. It's like, this dude's a firecracker, man. He's like, like I, my, my son Jack is 13 years old, and I was asking him, like, I picked him up from school, and I was like, dude, how was your day? And he was like, it was pretty good. And I was like, what are you going to do this afternoon? And he said, I'm going to be awesome. And that's like literally that's the way the kid thinks is like he just best he's thing like, ever, man. Yeah, he's like he's like, I, I dig me and I think I'm awesome. And my plan this afternoon is to be awesome. And <laughs> love that. And gentle listener, low he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was. And like, and I realized that not everybody has the same temperament, not everybody has the same personality. And so I we don't want to paint it as a thing where there's like this cookie cutter way to live where you know, you, you just got to rise up and be amazing or whatever. 
But I love the phrase that you were saying, Jed, about reluctant living. And I think it's important for us to understand that none of these nitpicky behavior things were ever meant to be nitpicky. They were they were supposed to be drawn into this whole context of, yeah. of this dude saying, God has something he's doing in you. He's going to get you there. And me understanding that, that's why I live all out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a cool point on that because these things that we're kind of talking about here are why this is a very cool verse and why it's such a weird thing to put on the uh, wall of your nursery. Um, might tell you something about that institution, but that's really uh, neither here nor there. But it is that thing. And I want to go back to something Jed was saying earlier about is can argue, are arguing, complaining the symptoms of a deeper disease. I think in mm. a lot of cases, quite often they certainly are. But I think there is another thing that happens alongside that where it can be a thing where it's the arguing and complaining can lead to your a certain mindset. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're always finding the thing to complain about when that's just, and you know, we've all been there. Actually, recently on the show, Lee was making a real interesting point about how one of the quickest ways to like start a casual conversation with people you don't really know very well is just find something to complain about. Yeah. yeah. Like the weather, the local sports team or whatever, like that's just so much easier than what are you guys excited about today? What are we feeling <laughs> positive and affirming feelings about? Like finding something to gripe about is just there. But you know, as we, and we talk about lighting them, this natural feelings, you have to have safe places to get that out. But I do think there is a mental pathway that can kind of get grooved in. If you look at every situation and just like, what's the thing that's going to disappoint me about this? Yeah. <laughs> what about this is not as good as it could be. Well, one of the things too that I that I was just thinking about was like not just taking this letter in context, but just this dude that wrote yeah, this yeah, in context. Yeah. When you know more about his life, and and for folks who are kind of on, you know, you don't, you know, you're kind of maybe newer to some of this Christian stuff. This was a guy that for his entire like his entire growing up years was based on grievances. Just like we are going to be right about everything. And anybody that doesn't do everything exactly the way that we say is right, we are upset about, and we will put them in trouble. And it's just like, this was a dude that lived on grievances and just being upset and just being angry at the people who were not right. And then he had an encounter with Jesus and, and he was a different dude and he, and he grew and he changed. And I think part of this is him saying, again, like Jeb was saying earlier, like take this out of the context of Christianity. Somebody that lived a lot of his life just like in a grievance kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a change and realized, man, that really sucked. It really yeah. sucked to just live. And, and right now we're in a world where a huge swath of people, their whole thing, they're just motivated by grievances. Yeah. And we're all a little tired of it. And yep. so I think we can all kind of accept like, man, I may not know how to key into this, but it would be a cooler life and a cooler mindset to not be motivated by grievance all the time. Yeah, I think that's such a cool point. And I will go back to the beginning of uh, putting, do all things arguing and complaining on the uh, wall of the children's room. Doesn't, does not tell you much about the Apostle Paul. Doesn't tell you much about the Bible. Again, might tell you a little bit about that church. That might be, and it might just be that, you know, somebody thought that'd be funny, but it, it does remind me of many years ago, walking around kind of the, the area where Jed and I live. And there was a church, it was a big older Presbyterian church 
that had carved into it John uh, 14, 20, 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And it's one of those like, folks, that was a choice. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of other yeah. stuff. Just, you know, uh, you know, you can just go with John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's nice. Yeah. 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 yeah once you carve something. Little of aggressive posture. Didn't even go with, <laughs> if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Just, if you don't love me, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> the most negativity we can pack into one short Bible verse to carve into the outer stonework of this church. If it requires a chisel. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> if I may, to build on that and to, to build on something that Lee was saying earlier, I think here's one of the things that we have to decide is, by and large, does God care about our compliance or our character? Because those are two wildly different things. And American Christians love compliance. They, they don't care about your character. They love compliance. And here's the thing. You can comply with the teaching, do all things without arguing or complaining, and be a miserable human being. Like, you can just never say negative stuff out loud and be completely miserable and violate every theme of what Paul said in the book of Philippians. Absolutely yeah. can be done. And yeah. Go right ahead, dude. Hit it. I was just going to say, the American Christians love compliance so much that we have 28 categories of Christian music. You never have to listen to any other kind of music, Jed. <laughs> dude. Comply! Well, and I think here's one of the things, like, if you want to go, if you just want to lean into the guilt, you want to lean into the self-recrimination, you want to you lean into all of that self, self-oriented negativity, actually, character is your much better bet, and I'll tell you why. Here's one of the things that I've learned about myself. I have this passionate desire to be a tragic figure. Just like there are some people who are motivated by grievance, <laughs> I so badly want to be a tragic figure. Like, if oh. I'm not minding the shop on that, my brain is building that narrative all the time. And it's one of those things where I, I guarantee you, I can go through a week and not argue or complain about anything and be wallowing in my own tragic nature. Like I just, <laughs> I just pictured Jed crafting his own Icarus wings. <laughs> it just, that, that image, just Icarus Jed just jumped into my mind. <laughs> Dude, like this is a few weeks ago, you know, a good friend of mine who, you know, he's, he's got his own struggles and he was super cool and super loving about it. We, we've been talking about some stuff and he's just like, Hey man, can I, can I say something to you? I'm like, yeah. And this is a dude who does not speak in Christianese at all. Uh, but he's like, well, you know, just sometimes you, you know, you're kind of like this and kind of like that. I'm like, Oh dude, I'm being a tragic figure. That's, that's what you're picking up on. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I need to not do that. Cause I really do want to do that super hard. So wow. if, if you're, and you know what, like with little kids, and I think that's part of what makes this kind of jacked up with the nursery too, is like, you, at the end of the day, we, if we want to raise children in the Lord, we need to teach them to focus on character. Like, mm. compliance is useful for getting along in a society, but man, uh, uh, being people of God is about the heart, it's about the character, and I, yeah. I believe that's what we need, I believe that's what Paul's actually talking about. Amen. Yeah, that's all uh, fantastic stuff. I'm now just picturing Jed wearing a dark trench coat. There's a there's a Goethe Street in Chicago on the north side. <laughs> yes, there is. And just the sorrows of young Brewer just posing for his own. Yeah. But I think that's also, as we move on, a great point because, um, you know, Lee talked about being aggrieved earlier. And maybe we all don't want to, want to be a tragic figure. But I think, 
and maybe this is a, a white uh, middle class uh, male characteristic in America, but I think it's strong in a lot of people. Everybody just wants to be aggrieved, man. Oh, yeah. There's part of you that if you don't watch out for that, you will be the main character and central victim of all the universe's machinations. Wow. <laughs> and uh, maybe the idea that you shouldn't give in to arguing and complaining is, is, is a good way to create a bulwark against such a thing. Mm. And we're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in and says, I hear people talk about epiphanies or spiritual awakenings. Sounds like a great thing to go through. It got me thinking. Can I prepare for one or make one more likely? Or is that the kind of thing that just happens and you realize what it was later on? A, another very, very cool question. And Lee, where do we start off with this one? Yeah, I, I mean, as far as like, you know, uh, big epiphanies or giant realizations and everything cleared up for me, I, I really don't know what to say. It's not something that I've had a whole lot of experience with personally. I, I haven't had, you know, the... The, the the moment where it all changed for me and then I never struggled with X again, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't experience anything like that. The thing that I would say is I would challenge you instead of trying to tip the scales on an epiphany moment where everything changed changes to do the things that would ready you for gradual growth as opposed to the big epiphany. Uh, the big epiphany sounds cool and it's dramatic and makes a great story. Um, what is more useful for your relationships, for your walk of faith, for your life in general, is the kind of the kind of hardiness and tenacity that's built from a from a person who is learning how to grow slowly over time. Um, there. That is the thing that I would personally be a little more interested in working on is, okay, what are the things that I'm going to need to be able to grow um, in a, you know, like, like sometimes I'm going to grow, sometimes I'm going to fall. But if I plot it, what we call the line of best fit is I'm in an upward trend over a long period of time. To me, that has and 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 I say this not only personally because of my lack of the epiphany moment where everything changed but also as a person who has been a pastor for a long time I can tell you that you know I mean even in the lord's story of the sower the person that's super passionate and has the huge growth moment but doesn't have a lot of root is the person that doesn't last very long um and so what we want to look for is we want to look for what are the things that would hold me back from having um, a steady series of, of growth, failure, but, but slow growth over time. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to think about that. And Jed, one of the things you've talked about uh, over the years on the show, and I think it's, it's a great phrase, is the idea of having a holy imagination. Yeah. And I think people can think of imagination or creativity, whatever it is, in the sense of, getting from A to B in that big breakthrough. But how does something like creativity and imagination play into what Lee's talking about there in kind of more of a slow, ever-changing, ever-developing way? Well, I think what's interesting is that creativity and imagination are things you can work at. Mm. Like, you can... They are disciplines that you can engage in and, and, and get better at them. And, like... I don't know if you can manufacture an epiphany or a spiritual awakening. If you figure out how to do that, I think you can make a lot of money. So like, 
you know, I, I wish you well in that endeavor. So I don't know if you can manufacture that or not, but like creativity, you can. Um, yeah. And the, the things that I have found that, that lead to that, that I suspect would be true for you, you, you need to figure out how you wanted to implement them. But let's, uh, you know, let's look at like a creative outlet. Like you, you know, you want to become a painter, you know, you just, you want to kind of for fun, make some visual art in your life, but, but what are you going to paint? The first thing that you need to do is you need to feed yourself inspiration. Yeah. If, if you want to be a visual artist, you need to take in other people's visual art all the time. Like I've, I've heard people that, that want to be songwriters be like, I don't listen to other people's music and that way my music will be original. That's the worst idea I've ever heard. Do <laughs> not do that. Um, if, if you want to be a writer, you need to read constantly. If you want to be a musician, you need to li- listen to new music all the time. If you want to be a visual artist, you need to consume visual artwork. And ideally, if you've got the time in your life, you should do it in a cross-disciplinary fashion. Like, Anything that is creative, you know, um, you know, anything in the arts, you should consume all the arts as much as you can, because your, your brain and your spirit, I think are taking those things in and seeing connections, even if your conscious mind isn't aware of them, they, it is creating a, um, a catalog of fresh ideas to pull from and just, you know, like everybody steals from everybody. So it's, it's cool. You don't need to be worried about that. Uh, but that would be thing one is you definitely need to, to feed yourself, uh, inspiration. The second is you need to change things up all the time. Um, don't, you know, sit staring at a typer and go write something jerk. Like, you know, get up, go for a walk, get some water, you know, go to the park, you know, but give yourself space, you know, change up the routine, take a break. It's really, really important. But then this is the last one is whatever your version of the blank page is, keep coming back to it. Mm. If you can do it, do it every single day. Doesn't need to be for super long, but you know, keep coming back to that blank page. If you do all three of those, if, if you kind of give yourself permission to take breaks, change things up, if you feed yourself inspiration, you keep coming back to the blank page, you'll find yourself creating new stuff. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a, a cool point because in the, the cross, that idea of kind of across all arts and cross, cross discipline kind of creativity. And that kind of plays into the idea that everything has a spiritual Element, yeah. If you're looking at it spiritually, you know, yeah. we get a little overplayed, but there is to, to the spiritual. All things are spiritual. So you know, whether it's, um, you know, a comic book or a pro wrestling promo. I may be speaking from experience on some of these, or <laughs> like you know, whatever it is, weird TV show or a different kind of music. Um, you don't have to just get your spiritual uh, nourishment from things that are explicitly um, would be nominated by the Gospel Music Association Awards. Yeah. Like you could. Yeah. You could listen to the Beatles or, you know, a non demon hunter hard rock band or whatever it is and and pull something <laughs> spiritual with that because you're the one who's seeing it that way. And that's right. Kind of as just saying there, you never know what's gonna trigger yeah. a new thought or a new way of thinking about things and um challenging those ways you see things. And Lee, is that a big part of this kind of just describing our creativity way, but I think there's some other ways to apply that, apply that of kind of, do we think of an epiphany as more sitting in a room and then, you know, the light descends on you. Right. But would a more practical idea just be kind of, if you want to break out of a rut and how do we look at yeah. doing that? Well, one of the things that, I mean, it's, it's this deal where um, there's, you may have had certain teachers in your life who, who 
modeled this or gave you examples of this, but one of the most critical things that you can do, and you should do this in your faith, and you should do this about scripture, you should do this about yourself and everything is, you should ask the question why about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask the question why and investigate. And I'm talking about ask the question why about your own behavior. Yep. Um, I was talking recently, um, Christy and I have, we have a daughter who turned 18 this year and, or last year and uh, last calendar year. And that is a trippy moment as a parent, because in some ways it's like, she's still living in our house, but in in a lot of ways, it's like, we're done. Like, like we've like, like we're not deciding a lot of things for you anymore. If really anything, I mean, you, you come home when you want to, you go where you want to. There's, I mean, unless things go sideways, like you're making most of your decisions yourself at this point. And one of the conversations that I had, and it's not the first time I've had this conversation with her, but, and it goes back actually to Jed's point about character from the last question. But one of the, 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 the conversations that I've had with her a lot, and especially when she did turn 18 is I was like, man, look, the one thing that I want to encourage you to do is whenever you experience something new, take some time after that experience and interrogate it. Mm. Ask, ask, what did that do for me? What, what, what was cool about that? And what was a letdown about that? What did I expect? But then with a lot of honesty, what did I actually experience? Mm. What things about that do I want to replicate? And what things about that do I not want to experience again? And how can I steer that? And, and, and basically all of those questions are come from a place of, I want you to know that you are the, the, you are the person who has the most power over this question. What kind of a heart do I want to live in? Mm, mm, yeah, and what kind of and, and what kind of life do I want to live? And, but a big part of that is in all your experiences and all your, in all your situations and scripture and relationships, ask the question, why? Why did I do that? Why did that person say that? Why? Not in a judgmental way, but, but it's, it's, this is really a cry to stay curious. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most tragic moments that happens in the whole canon of Scripture is early in Jesus' ministry, when he's near his hometown, and he starts doing a bunch of amazing stuff, and all the people say, "Who? wait, him? That's the carpenter's kid. We know him. That's... That, that's, uh, the, Mary is his mom and, and James and, and, uh, and Judas are his brothers. We know that guy. Like they stopped being curious about him. And that is a tragedy. That's when, that's when you stop learning, when you stop being curious. And so that why question and keeping a curious mind and a curious heart, that is a, a really, really good way to grow in this way. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a cool point about, and it kind of takes back to that point of creativity because that is a lack of creative thinking. And there are, um, there's also, you know, uh, areas throughout scripture where, um, people try to get Jesus to reduce someone down to, oh, yeah. I know what this is. You're like, this is the kind of woman who would, who got caught cheating or, you know, the Pharisees saying, you know, uh, all sorts of people, if, if he knew what kind of person that was, he wouldn't right. be seen associating with them. Cause we have that broken down. We have that uh, we know what this person is about. We know what this situation is. And Jesus always expands that to the idea that there is more to the situation. There's more to this idea. There's more to this person. 
And, and Jed, maybe to close us out, how does that attitude tie into the idea of things like spiritual awakening and epiphany in the sense of something that there's always another level to, you know, this isn't uh, a spiritual awakening, whatever, isn't just leveling up to achieving nirvana. That's not, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not, really, that's not in Christian theology, but just there's always, how do we deal with thinking about these things when they're all, always a new level, a new layer, a new kind of understanding to get to? Man, that's a, a really great question. I think that I want to build on Lee's awesome advice of, in addition to asking why, I think it's worth asking regularly, kind of interrogating your own beliefs of which of these things are not a match for the person that I am or the person that I want to be. Mm, yeah, yeah. In, in other words, what, what things am I holding on to, because somebody said I had to, that I would be better served to simply let go of? What are the what are the the beliefs or the ideas or the convictions that I need to change? Because I think so many epiphanies, uh, spiritual or otherwise, actually, in many ways, boil down to I don't have to do that anymore. Mm. <laughs> they're they're a moment of realizing I've been carrying around this big rock. I don't I don't have to do that, right? Like it's like in think- the office when when Pam says, "And don't call me Pam." Don't call me Pammy. That's what it, you know. <laughs> yes. And she just, she realizes I can go be an artist and I don't like the nickname Pammy. Yes. And she just has this, she's like, I'm done taking this. Yeah. 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 There are things I'm putting up with that I don't have to put up with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I think in many ways that a lot of epiphanies, again, spiritual or otherwise, they, they do kind of boil down to that. But in the spirit of, you know, and actually I think Matt, you, you've set up something really good, which is here is one of the fundamental things that American Christianity teaches that I do not agree with. And if you're listening to the show, you're free to arrive at your own conclusions, but I super do not agree with this, which is we've basically perfected this faith. We've got it as good as it can possibly be. Your job is to maintain what we give you. Oh man. We, we have done it. We have made it as good as it is capable of being your job. Maintain what we've given you. I do not believe that. And I think that 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 state of believing I my job is to maintain what I've been given means you can never have an epiphany. Mm, you can wow. you can never have a spiritual awakening because epiphanies and spiritual awakenings are about changing things. They're about doing things differently. They're about believing things differently. They're usually, at least in part, about letting things go. And if we have to believe that where we are today is as good as it can possibly ever be. And therefore to change anything would be a a descent into heresy. Then we have agreed with ourselves that nothing can ever improve. There can be no epiphanies. There can be no spiritual awakenings. The good news is that God is so much bigger than we give God credit for. Mm. And God is so much bigger than the American church gives God credit for. Um, and we could have 10,000 spiritual awakenings for 10,000 years and not even have begun to scratch the surface of what there is to know about a, an infinite God. So I think giving yourself permission to recognize things can change. I can let go of things and that that can be good and can be honoring to God at the same time. That is all fantastic stuff. A great note to go out on. 
If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask if you want to keep that entirely anonymous. We've talked about the dark and unpleasant underbelly of gospel music on this beginning of this show. So let's take it out with some positive, Ooh. good gospel music from yeah. our friends Pete and Tasha Lawson. This song is called Never Alone. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God yeah. loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.